corner. Hyman without a stick. Ready to start on the pass. The quad blocks. Leeds get it again. Matthews to center. Created by diehard Leeds fans for diehard Leeds fans. This is the Holy Mackinac Podcast with Clayton Terrio, Danny Horton, and Brett Wills. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Holy Mackinac Podcast. I am one of three co-hosts, Clayton Terrio, and I'm here with Danny Horton and Brett Wills. Welcome, guys. I'm uh, excited for this. Thanks, Clayton. I am, too. Been looking forward to this for a while. Clayton, it's always a pleasure to join you and... Uh... This is the first time I've had an opportunity to sit down with Danny. I've known Danny for, oh God, probably 25 years. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, this is exciting. I, I'm really happy to be here. Definitely. It's, uh, I've known Danny quite a while too. He's a co-worker of my lovely mother and they go way back with his mom. So it's, it's an honor guys. And well, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, I don't think Leafs Nation is very happy, but I'll go back to game one because obviously that was really hard to watch Tavares get taken off on the stretcher. The knee to the face didn't look good. I personally thought he collapsed, but the report said he tried to get up on his own. And then that's when he fainted again due to the concussion. And it it was rough to see. I kind of lost all kind of passion for that game. It was it was rough. I was I was pretty beaten up. I, I was almost in tears to be honest. Um, JT's a great guy and Captain Toronto. We miss him, but and the first three games after that, like we were we were taking it to them, and then oh no, here we go, three one lead in the series. Guess what happened? We lost the next two. So just to start off, guys, what, what like what do you guys what did you guys think of the first four games to begin with? Brett, did you want to go first? You know, uh, the first four games were they were, they were exciting as anything I've seen all season. I mean, th- this has been a weird season. Obviously, no no fans in the stands, and uh, I mean, it's hard for the three of us to sit at home and not be able to go into Scotiabank Arena to cheer on the boys. But uh, they they've showed adversity and resilience and perseverance all season long. They're, they've they had quite a few hiccups all year, and uh, the, those pickups at the deadline, uh, you, you know, you, you had some hope. You, re- you really had hope, and then uh, you find out that they're playing Montreal, and you're just like, oh, Montreal, this will be fun. This will be exciting. And uh, But uh, I think the two of you can agree with me that uh, I didn't think it was going to be a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination. No, absolutely. I I actually, in my opinion, I thought Montreal was going to be the toughest challenge uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the North Division, just solely because of their physicality. And obviously, Carey Price, that's a given. Carey Price is an absolute monster. Um, We've seen that through uh, six games thus far. Uh, The guy can steal steal a game at any point in time. He's unbelievable. Uh, Best goaltender in the world. And there's a reason why all the NHL players vote on that. And they've all voted unanimously Carey Price for, I think, the last few years anyway. Um, the guy's unreal. But back, back, to, back to game one thoughts, um, you know, obviously super excited. We're playing in a playoff series against the Montreal Canadiens, our hated rivals. 
I personally couldn't hate a team any more <laughs> than the Montreal Canadiens being a diehard Toronto Maple Leaf fan. Um, super jacked up, pumped up to watch that series. Um, and then what happens to John Tavares? Um, Clayton kind of touched on it earlier. He was almost in tears. My wife had had tears in her eyes. I know I was texting my mom during the game as well when that happened. Um, she had tears in her eyes. I, I personally, I didn't even feel like watching hockey at that point. Um, it kind of, hockey kind of took a back seat. It was more, uh, more your concern for the guy's uh, livelihood and his family for that, uh, for that matter. I thought he broke his neck, uh, especially when he got up and, or he tried or he attempted to get up and he collapsed. I thought his neck was broken. It was super scary. And, um, you know, I, I certainly don't, uh, I don't put it on the boys for losing game one. They actually came back and they regrouped after the, uh, after the first period came out, had a pretty good second, um, a decent third. And, you know, they, they lost the game on, on one mistake there. Um, I forget who pinched. I think it, I think it might've been Muzz. No, sorry. It was Joe Thornton that turned the puck over and Paul Byron, uh, beat a gas Rasmus Sandin there, uh, racing for the puck. He was at the, uh, I think he was out there for a buck buck and a half on uh, on the power play and he was gassed and uh Paul Byron put the puck in the net but um good effort in game one but um you want me to get at uh game six here <laughs> not quite yeah I'll, I'll add some thoughts here I just thought like the effort was there the first few games like it it just I was actually kind of surprised how much we were taking it to them and then all of a sudden it's like we get three one up and we just panic it's like unbelievable like so many mistakes in the last two games that are just unnecessary like spinning around in your own zone giving it up or or looking at the puck behind your net you just can't do those things and it's it's been rough but that brings us to game six and I truly thought we were going to take it to them I I thought with the fans it was going to elevate both teams but clearly that wasn't the case I mean they came out running at us I think what they had 13 shots in the first eight minutes or something. And that just, I thought they were going to be gassed after that, but we just never really showed up till about 10 minutes left in the third of two quick goals there. And over time we were all over them, but what did you guys think about, about the start? Like, what do you think happened? I don't think any of us really do. I think when you come out flat like that, it uh, it dictates how you're going to play the rest of the night. So, you know, you were alluded to it, Clayton, that uh, you played really like garbage for two and a half periods or even over two and a half periods. And uh, you, you can't do that in uh, an NHL hockey game. You certainly can't do that in the playoffs. You, you need your you need all your guys to show up. And there's a couple of guys that are getting paid big bucks who have not produced. And it's, it's tough. It's embarrassing. Uh, I don't want to make any excuses for them. Uh, be, although they are young, they're professional athletes, they're, they're NHL hockey players, and they've been doing this their entire lives. They've been playing under pressure every single day for their entire lives. They, they shouldn't have played like garbage last night that there's absolutely no excuse for it. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm as sick to my stomach about that as I was with the Tavares hit in game one. Yeah, no good point. Um, I, I kind of just wanted to backtrack and, and touch on what uh, Clayton was mentioning earlier. So we, we get, we get through game one, you know, fully understandable boys regroup. They come out, they play for JT in game two, they get the W they're they're almost dominant in game three and game four like 
clearly the better team in game three and game four. That's exactly what we expected from the number one team in the North division on paper. And I know the game's not played on paper, but this Toronto Maple Leafs team has all the pieces, all the pieces. And I think that's what pisses me off. I can't speak for you two, but that's what pisses me off even more is I know they have the pieces. They have the pieces to compete against the best of them. But there is some sort of a mental block and mental hurdle that this team has whenever they whenever they have the opportunity to eliminate an opposition or they're going to be eliminated. In an elimination game, there is some kind of mental block, and I don't get it. How can we go from game three and game four dominant? Okay, even, even go to game five. Okay, yeah. you, you, you kind of fell asleep. You're feeling it a little bit. You're at home. Okay, whatever. Uh, goes to overtime. You lose the game. You, you said you weren't prepared to play game five at the start of it. You knew Montreal was going to come out desperate. You then knew going into game six last night, Montreal would be that much more desperate. You knew what to expect. They're going to have 2,500 uh, fans in the crowd. Mind you, some Leaf fans in there, but still, majority have fans. You knew it was going to be loud. You knew it was going to be ruckus. I thought Jack Campbell did a great job at trying to settle the boys down. Um, you know, bailed them out in the first 10 minutes. Montreal, like Clayton alluded to, I think had like 13, 14 shots there in the first like 10 minutes. It was insane. Um, credit to Jack Campbell. And they were flat. They came out flat, not till they were down 2-0. Then they start playing hockey and they start playing their game and they dominate. I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I sat there in the chair. Normally I have this superstition in the, uh, during the playoffs, especially. I won't touch my phone. I won't touch my phone until the intermission. I don't, I don't want to be texting with anybody. I, I have my full devotion to the game. As soon as it went to nothing, I could, I could see where this was going. I picked up my phone. I had it on in the background, the game, obviously. I'm a diehard fan. I have to, I have to watch the truck go off the, off the rails at some point. You knew it was coming. We've been here before. Um, I just started playing a game on my phone. I was so pissed at them. Usually I scream at the top of my lungs when they score a goal. I, I didn't, not even a whisper came out of my mouth. They scored the first one. I started to laugh. They scored the second one to tie it. I laughed again. Like, you pathetic, pathetic bunch. You start playing with 10 minutes left. Where was this effort from the start? Those boys can't hang with you if you play like that for 60 minutes. But here, here we are again, boys, going to a, another, yet another game seven. There's yeah, an I awful think... lot. Sorry, Clay. There's no, an right. awful, there's an awful lot wrong with this team. And... The main thing that I'm noticing in th through six games, Montreal is out hitting Toronto by a large margin. And I think despite everything else that's going wrong, that's probably our biggest downfall right now. Every time Matthews gets it, he's way getting up and he's got a smile on his face, but he's not, he's not fucking happy about it. Every time Marner gets it. I mean, Marner's not used to getting hit. Mar Mar Marner, I hate to say it. He's a great hockey player. He probably is a little bit tough, but he's a snowflake. At least he's been acting like a snowflake. Last night, I think he played He played great, to be honest with you. He had a couple of gaffes. He, he can't find the net, whatever. But this team, we're getting out hit over and over and over again. And when you get out hit, you get tired. And when you get tired, you, you have to play catch up. You have to play catch up. And, and I, I don't know if it's that simple, but I, I think it's literally that simple. If you if you can avoid getting hit or if you can start out hitting the opponent, you, things are going to turn around. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And I think in the regular season, the Leafs were is either 29th or 28th in hits per game. And the Habs were number one, like number one per game in the league. Uh, mind you, they kind of have to be. They don't really have the skill to to outscore you all the time. But the, the thing that sticks out to me most is Matthews is leading the team in hits. Like he's not able to focus on his offense because he's the one who has to be physical. Like I'm not saying that's all of it. He hasn't shown up. He scored one goal. Like that's not Austin Matthews. It's he was scoring at will through the season. Marner was an assist machine. The guy was assisting on like every Matthews goal and getting shorthanded chances every game. And even last night on the penalty kill, he was great until he flipped it out over the glass. And I was like, Mitch, like, what are you doing? Like, it, it's like they get deer in the headlights and they just panic in elimination games. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's like Dangle in his video last night. He did it in one take after the game. Like he was upset. Like he almost cried at the end of that video. He was that pissed off. And he was saying like, I don't even know the answers anymore. What do we do? Do we hire new coaches? We've done that like three times. New GM done that three times. More pieces. How many pieces do we have to bring in? And he was just losing it. Those delay of game penalties happened quite a bit last night. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that there's little to no fans in the stands? It was just a theory as I was watching last night. I, I I don't know about that. I did want to I did want to comment on um, you know what Brett brought up uh, the hitting guys. We we knew like we watched this team through the regular season and Clayton, you touched on it as well. Montreal led the North Division in hits. Like there there's no secret they were going to come out and out hit you. I'm not I'm not concerned about that at all. Uh, that's playoff hockey. If you if you don't want to be hit and you can't make a play under pressure, then playoff hockey is not for you. Right. Um, to me, it's no surprise. Montreal cannot compete skill wise with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So they have to wear their skilled players down and credit credit to Montreal. They're doing what they need to do. Have they relied on Carey? Absolutely. Carey Price has been unreal. Like if Carey Price is not in net, the Leafs are winning. They're probably sweeping this series. Let, let's be honest with the yeah. play. But that's not a re- not the reality. Carey Price is in net. And this team needs to find a way to beat Carey Price. What they did in game three and game four, which, which I loved, and I was yelling at the TV in game two, they need to get more bodies to the net. You put bodies in front of Carey Price, he cannot stop what he can't see. That goes for any goalie, mind you. But he, he gets really rattled when bodies go to the net and you just start firing pucks on. Rebounds are created, stuff goes... Uh, pucks go off legs that that's how we we came back in game five right and then you know a little bit of for a little bit of fortune last night with that too Brody's uh, game tying goal there guess what it went off a shin pad or a skate and deflected up on price that's how you score in the playoffs there is no fancy twirl 360 passes little sauce passes in the slot you're not you're not going to get that until this team understands that like they, they have all the pieces boys they have all the pieces, but there's some sort of a mental hurdle when this team faces, when, when they're put under pressure, they cannot get over that hurdle for some reason. They need to find a way because if they do not do it tomorrow night, and, and mind you, like I have no faith that they're going to. They've given me zero reason to believe that they're going to, right? We know our game seven histories with not necessarily this regime, although they have faced some game sevens and elimination games. Uh, game five against Columbus uh, last year, 
game sevens against Boston. They haven't fared very well at all. I guess the only, the only difference in this one is we're at home, although we were at home last year against Columbus too. So quiet arena. I don't know how much of a home ice advantage we'll have, but bottom line is they need to get the job done or serious changes are coming for this group, like serious changes. Well, yeah. And that's why I touched on this morning. Like you can't like, I'm not saying we don't have the pieces, but what I'm saying is we overpaid our top four forwards. Bottom line. It's true. Like 42 million, I think for our top four guys is that's, that's almost half the cap like that to me is part of the, I'm not saying it's all of it. Cause like you say, we do have the pieces and Dubas has proved to be a wizard with cap space. Like he clearly has, he can't do much else. Like I, I don't blame management really. He brought in Felino, which is the truculence we needed. I hate, I hate that word because of Brian Burke, but it, you know, the tenacity and the truculence that Brian Burke, you say, that's what we're lacking as well. And like, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. It's it's so frustrating being a Leaf fan, but I just can't give up on them. I never will give up on them. Like you were saying earlier as well, Danny, like it's not in you to give up. You never will, but how much no. more can you take? Like really? Brett, did you want to jump in there before I, I throw some comments in? Yeah. You know, you, you were saying that you, you have no faith and that game seven is going to be the be all end all. And to be honest with you, I love the Leafs just as much as the two of you. I, I think you're right. So if we're going to go that route, and I want to for a second, even though that's kind of sacrilegious and you don't give up on your, your squad, what do you do? Who do you get rid of? Like, I, I've got an idea, but uh, I mean, I don't know exactly, I don't know exactly what, uh, what you do. I have one name in mind. Yeah, that that that's a tough one. Now, again, I, I I'm a little pissed off still from last night. Okay, so will I will I be watching tomorrow night and cheer? Obviously, like <laughs> it, it's not it's not in me to not like I can say all I want. I'm not going to watch the game. Guess what I'm doing tomorrow night at seven o'clock? I'm wa- I'm watching the goddamn hockey game. Like I I I have to I have to see it. You know what I mean? I I need to see it. Um, who who know who knows what's going to happen? I just you know based on past history, I I don't like what our boys have shown in pressure packed elimination games. Um, but who who knows? Maybe maybe this is their time. Maybe this is their time to break through. I hope so because you know Brett just uh, touched on it as well. Where do you go next? I I certainly hope we're having a different conversation the next time we're recording one of these podcasts. And I hope it's a positive one. And we're on to round two playing the jets because um, Brett, that that's a tough one, man. Where, where do you go? Uh, to me, it, it, it's, to, it's easy in my mind. It's okay. super, super easy. So, so to me, and, and my guess would be, you're probably going to trade Mitch Marner. Um, I, and I, I, I'm just guessing on that one. A lot of people blame Mitch Marner for a lot of things. Um, Mitch Marner is a hell of a hockey player and Clayton you you mentioned earlier that uh, the Leafs have you know overpaid their their top forwards I I tend to disagree to be honest with you I respectfully disagree you've got the Rocket Richard trophy winner right like you're you're gonna pay for the Rocket Richard trophy winner this guy is the next who knows how many years he's gonna win the Rocket Richard and I hope I sure hope it's in a Leaf uniform for many many years to come um Mitch Marner is another top five. He's we have two of the top five 
uh, point getters in the NHL. You better believe you're going to have to pay those boys. But with that said, they have to show up. If they don't show up and produce, then then it just doesn't work, right? Um, and I wouldn't put that on management. Any team, we're blessed to have this. Any any team would be blessed to have these two players. Like they are elite, elite talent. Um, pe- people can bitch complain all they want, and you know, at the end of the day, playoff success. Um, you know, we'll put the spotlight on them or playoff failures. We'll put the spotlight on them, but they are elite talent and you pay elite talent. Yeah. Can I throw, can I throw, can I throw three names at you? Yeah. I I don't know if this is fair, um, but I want to throw three names at you. Uh, Willie Nylander who, and I have to be honest with you. I shit on him for at least three quarters of the season he picked it up and he's looked gangbusters. And the only reason I would trade him right now is because his trade value would, is probably not sky high, but I think you'd get somebody something back for him. Um, Morgan Riley, who I loved. I know he's the longest tenor leaf right now, but he hasn't looked good at all, all year. And it, it's just, it, it's been hard to watch him. He's still a top talent. He's still in a top four. I, I think if you can get, a prospect in a second round pick for him. And maybe that's too much. Uh, that, that would, that would maybe do something for, for it. And uh, the third one who I think is probably gone anyway at the, um, at the expansion draft is Travis Dermott. I love Tra- Travis Dermott. I was on his ass the entire year last year. I was so excited to see this kid play, but he's not lived up to any of my expectations this year. Clay, did you want to get in there before? Because I, I, I love those I love those takes. I don't know. It's hard because I've always liked Nylander since he was since he was a prospect. Like there was something about his his puck moving ability, and like he does not give it away in his own zone very often at all. He gives it up because he doesn't hit and he's not as physical, but he he at least gets it out of the zone. He doesn't send it in front of his net, but I do agree his trade value is very high and it would be probably the best time to move him as much as I'd hate that. Like I love the guy. I love pretty much everybody on the Leafs, but, and Riley, I kind of agree, but I'd miss him. I, I think, I, I think the tenure is, is hard to move, but I'm going to jump in. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump in here real quick before you see, uh, talk about Dermot. Um, you got to think with your head and not with your heart, man. I know that True. we're diehard Leaf fans, but this is these guys need to win a Stanley Cup in the next five years, e- even less. They got to win in the next three years. So, uh, as diehard, passionate Leaf fans, we can't think with our heart. We got to start thinking with our head. That's true. Dermot, Dermot, take him or leave him. Again, I like him, but it just doesn't produce as well as he probably should. I don't know what you think, Danny. I don't know who you think we could move, but go go ahead. I, I'd like to know. So I, I am I am glad Brent did not mention uh, Mitch Marner. I, I am thank thank you, Brent. That you did not mention Mitch Marner um, because I, I think I think the world of Mitch Marner, and I you know I, I see all these takes on Twitter and um, all these people. You know, it's Mitch's fault. Um, you know, M- Mitch is a bum because he took he had one bad penalty, and yes, it was a bad penalty, but uh, but still, Mitch Marner is an elite hockey player absolutely elite him and Matthews are a one-two combo I love the comment about Morgan Riley the reason why I love the comment about Morgan Riley is because I don't believe Morgan Riley's a number one defenseman 
I think Morgan Riley is a very good defenseman. I think he does a lot of good things. I think Mo, if, if you will, Mo's uh, strong point is jumping up into the rush and he's good on, he's good five on five. He's a five on five uh, defenseman, really good at jumping up into the rush and creating offense and moving the puck. He doesn't possess a shot. One of the issues on our power play, right? One of the bigger issues on our power play, and I've been saying it dating back to Mike Babcock, is we don't have multiple shot options on the power play. If you look at all the top power play units in the league, they have multiple shot options. Our power play is so predictable. It's not even funny. Everyone knows it's going to Austin Matthews. When Mitch is on the other flank, yes, Mitch is an elite player. I just you know, spoke volumes of Mitch Marner. Not a knock on Mitch Marner. He doesn't possess a shot, though. It's not a top-end NHL shot. He's not going to score from the flanks over there. I think you've got to put Willie on the other flank because Willie has an excellent, excellent shot. He doesn't use it enough, but it's excellent. You need a defenseman. If you're going to, if Riley's a free agent after next season, he has one more year. Okay. If things don't go well tomorrow night, I, I believe that this is the number one thing that they visit. And I'm going to throw a name out there. I'm going to throw a name out there. People can think I'm crazy all they want. This is my favorite D man in the league because I think he's an absolute beast. And I think if he was in Toronto, he would be a Norris candidate. Um, and Quite, uh, coincidentally, it came up last night, I think, on uh, Elliot Friedman spoke about it on Hot Stove. Seth Jones is an absolute beast. He is a number one defenseman. Seth Jones, mind you, he's, he's not, you know, super offensive minded. But what Seth Jones does, he is an absolute defensive stud. He is a number one shutdown defenseman. How can you be paid like a number one defenseman like Morgan Riley, I'm assuming, will want? right? You're seven to 9 million yeah. per season. He one He doesn't put up the points to be in a seven, seven to $9 million uh, range for defenseman per season Two, He's not part of the leaf shutdown decor. Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall have those assignments. So how could you pay a number one defenseman that kind of money when he doesn't uh, cover that assignment or take on that assignment or be one of your better pen- penalty killers? Seth Jones is that guy. Now, that would take a lot to get Seth Jones. I know he only has one year left on his deal. Columbus isn't going to give him away for free boys. Like Columbus wants to compete as well. Right. I could see, you know, pending, you know, uh, one year away are um, UFAs, Morgan Riley and Seth Jones being swapped, but something's going the other way. Something's going the other way for Columbus. Um, I, I don't think Mo's value is as high as Seth Jones in, in my opinion. Um, you know, and I, I love Mo as a leader. That, that's the hard part. Um, one of my fantasy jobs is uh, GM. One of my one of my tag names is GM Houghton. I love fantasy GM shit. I I am not a big Morgan Riley fan in that in that regard. Do I love him as a Lee fan? Yeah, because I lo- I love his leadership. I think he says the right things. I think he means more in that dressing room than any of us know. Um, but that being said, you have to take the salary cap into consideration. And I, I think you start there. The only, the only issue is Seth Jones is going to want probably more money than Morgan Riley. So what do you free up? What do you lose? And then we've talked about, you've discussed trading William Nylander. To me, I would have agreed with you two years ago. I actually think William Nylander is the best contract on the Maple Leafs, voice. You look at the production, he makes $6.9 million. He, he is a pretty damn good value. 
And yet you could argue both ways, good value for us, but also good value for a trade commodity as well. But what are you bringing back in tangibly? And what is the cap hit on, on that player or players coming in? It's tough. If you want to bolster your defense, are we sold yet? They haven't made it to the NHL really, but are we, do we give Lilligren or Sandin a chance? Uh, so I, I've been saying this for a couple of years. I get roasted on Twitter every time I mention it. I, I'm sold on Rasmus Sandin, but the one that I get roasted for is Timothy Lilligren. I've had a take on Lilligren for a couple of years now, and by no means am I an NHL scout, nor do I pretend to be. But for me, he doesn't pass the eye test. When he's had opportunities, mind you, limited, limited, I'll, I'll grant you that. But when he comes up and plays at the NHL level, to me, he hate. Well, nobody likes being hit, but this guy hates being hit. He's, tur- he's prone to turning the puck over. To, for me, it doesn't pass the NHL eye test. It certainly as being a top four. I'm not saying he can't be a serviceable five or six, but if you're banking on these guys to both be top four defensemen, I, I'm only looking at Rasmus Sandin. I, I think he has a high hockey, hockey IQ. He's a young defenseman. He's going to make mistakes. And he did that the other night in game five. It's going to happen. Shit happens, right? They're young defensemen. So wow. forgive my ignorance then. Do you get an opportunity? And I guess you'd have to really sweeten the pot. But send Lilligren somewhere for a pick or a prospect or, I don't know, uh, a bag of pucks? Like, like uh, I, I, you don't want a guy like that in your system if he's not going to get to the NHL. The problem is, though, as a seventh defenseman, he wouldn't be terrible. And again, I know that's not optimal. That's not why we drafted him. But I, I, I don't think he would be a bad seventh. I think he's better than Marincin, put it that way. But do we keep him in the system? I don't know. It's hard. Standing to me has proven himself apart from the two. I'm going to say one mistake because the one in the first, that was a flying elbow by Perry that missed. I don't know if you guys caught that, but he tried to catch Sandine with a flying elbow. It was clear to me. And I, I don't make excuses, but I think that was an attempt at a dirty hit and Sandine jumped out of the way and that's why he gave the puck up. But the other mistake is just a rookie mistake. It takes till you're 25, 26 to fully develop as a defenseman. I think Justin Hall is a prime example of that. He was a giveaway machine and there was a reason why he was in the press box all year, the last year Babcock and the half year that Babcock when he got fired, but he has proven himself at the NHL level. Lilligren, I kind of agree with Danny. It's he may develop more, but I just don't feel like he's much more than a number one AHL defenseman or a seventh D. Yeah. So I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Sorry, Brent. I, I'm with you, Clayton. I, I, I may even give him a 5-6 NHLD in time, but I think he's more valuable, Brent, to the Maple Leafs as a sort of guy that they hope to develop and maybe can be a, a depth defenseman for them in the future. He still has potential. I hope he proves me wrong. Like, honest to God, I really hope Timothy Lilligren becomes something. I just don't think he will. Um, there's a reason why Rasmus Sandin, he's younger than Timothy Lilligren but he's played way more games and been given way more opportunity at the NHL level. If Lilligren was that good, he would have had the opportunity before Sandin. People need to look at that. So I think, I think he has almost no trade value or very limited trade value, 
So you're probably best just to stick with them and continue your development and see what you have. If it is a five or six D there, there's no harm, no foul. At least you got a serviceable defenseman. And I hope he proves me wrong. And I hope he becomes a top four NHL defenseman. I'd love to see it. It'd be nice. It would be nice. But, but the thing I was going to add with Sandy is like, Keith clearly trusts him. He, he was quarterbacking our top power play the other night. Like that's, a lot of trust in it. I think he's 22, maybe 23. That's a lot of trust in a young defenseman that has a handful of games under his belt. And I think he does a great job on that power play. He, I think he quarterbacks it better than Morgan Riley, but who knows? It's, it's, we'll see in the future with, with Lilligren. I I've met the guy. I think he's a great guy, but that doesn't mean you're a great hockey player. Like, like most of the guys on the Leafs, I think are good guys. It's just, Something needs to happen tomorrow night, and we'll we'll see. I, I'm not holding my breath, but maybe it's the game they break through. I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Do the Leafs need to, and I keep going back to defensemen, and I, I, I'm not sorry about that, but do they need to, to keep guys like um, Muzzin, Bogosian, uh, you know, like those those depth guys that, are a little bit older, have a little bit more experience. I, I think Jake Muzzin is, he, he means more to this team than, um, than we know. I think he, he's a big vocal leader. He's a guy that's been there. He's won, if, if not one Stanley cup, it's two Stanley cups at the LA Kings. I couldn't remember if he was on the first one. So he's won two. Yeah. I, I think it's two as well, Clayton. So he's won two Stanley cups with the Los Angeles Kings. He brings a lot of experience and you could tell, again, I, I'm not in the dressing room. None of us are in the dressing room. We don't know these guys personally. I can only read into their post-game videos. I loved his post-game video from game five. Those little one-word answers, he was pissed off. I felt like he was going to go back in the dressing room and give it to the boys. I wanted to do that. I was happy for Muzz. He made me smile after game five. I love that. The emotion that he shows, there's a reason why Jake Muzzin is one of our shutdown defensemen. J- Jake Muzzin is like a four defenseman. There's no doubt about that. He's, he's a serviceable D-man. I like what he brings. I think his cap hits fine. I really like what Jake Muzzin brings to the team. Um, I, I just, I look in the future and again, this, this whole conversation could be, you know, uh, erased if, if uh, game seven comes, uh, becomes a different outcome tomorrow than what's happened in the past to us, right? We're not even talking about this and the boys are on to, to round two. And who, who knows? Who knows if they get over that hurdle, you just never know because I love the pieces on this team. I think they've got a level of physicality. Dubas is at a level of compete to this team, bringing in Nick Felino to pair up with Zach Hyman. You've got Wayne Simmons for that physicality. Ilya Mikheyev, he's a beast out there. Yes, he has uh, hands of stone, but he's not an offensive minded player. He's a great third line grinder energy player. Uh, I love Jason Spezza. I, I don't think you can say enough about Jason Spezza. What a leader for 700 grand. Oh my God. Where would we be without Jason Spezza? I'm thinking tomorrow night, he has to be our second line center. Like he has to be the second line center. He, he's one of the only guys out there that's showing all the, all the heart and putting, throwing all his cards on the table. He wants to win him and Joe want to win. They've been in this league a long time. Neither of them won a Stanley cup. It is hard to win. Is Zach yeah, Hyman going to be worth uh, what Zach ooh, Hyman is going to I was going to ask that too. Like, 
what do we do with like Hyman's going to get a raise? I can guarantee you that. What do you, what are you guys thinking? What are you guys thinking for raise? What what's he making now? Is it around? I think it's like two four. I think it's a two two point five. I believe right now around two point five. I think I I think he would be worth five or six personally because of the the work ethic. That's a little high, but I think he'd take a little bit less to stay with the Leafs. He seems like he wants to be here. He shows it every night. Like he's been a little bit invisible, but he's playing with Marner and Matthews, who haven't shown up pretty much all series, apart from hitting and and penalty kill for Mitch. But it's. He's going to get more than two and a half. I can guarantee you that. I wouldn't sign him anywhere uh, north of between 4.2 and 4.5. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more with Brent. Uh, I, I was going to say in between four and five million uh, tops. Um, you know, he, he, Zach is a leader. He brings a lot of, a lot of intangibles. Um, I, I don't fault him right now, to be quite honest with you. Um, the guy is such a warrior. What Two years ago when we played Boston – the guy was playing with a torn ACL. Nobody knew he was playing with a torn ACL. He's a warrior. Who, do, who does that? Only hockey players do that. He's out there playing with a well, – but they're out, he's out, he was out there battling with a torn oh. ACL, and he's, and he's skating his ass off, battling in the corners two years ago. Zach just came back. He didn't even play a game going into the playoffs when he had, uh, he had a bad MCL injury. Who knows how healthy he is? That and he didn't play for a couple of weeks, right? It was two or three weeks that he was out for. Who knows how healthy he is? Zach is an intangible member of this team, though. He, he means a lot to that locker room, and he brings a lot of intangibles that you know our skilled players don't have. He complements them very well, especially Marner and Matthews. Um, I, I, think he's a, I think he's an important guy that they have to look to re-sign for sure, but four or five million tops in between four and five million. If yeah. you're going over that for Zach Hyman, I'm sorry, then you're going to throw your cap situation out of whack here. Absolutely. And when you were talking about the defenseman, another one that's really impressed me, who is quietly, I think, top three of our best defensemen is, is Brody. TJ Brody just, it, he's, not, he's not a liability at all defensively. Not that I've seen. He's got the best stick lifting and poke checking ability I've ever seen. The guy barely ever takes penalties. He, he never he our- takes uh, trip ever. He is he is our best defensive defenseman. He, he's unbelievable. TJ Brody is unbelievable. I even loved last night, and I would have never expected this from Brody. Last night, he was trying to push the boys in the third period. When they went down 2-0, when does Brody jump up into the rush? And he was actually pinching, and he was trying to lead the way. I, I think TJ Brody, you got to give uh, Kyle Dubas a lot of credit there. What a signing. And he, don't forget, he tried to trade for TJ Brody before they traded uh, Tyson uh, for Tyson Berry. It was a deal yeah, that was it was a deal that was nixed by Nazem Kadri, right? He was going to send um, a Nazem Kadri over to Calgary for TJ Brody, and I forget the other player offhand, um, but it was TJ Brody and another player for Nazem Kadri. Kadri nixed the deal. That prompted Dubas to have to go and get Kerfoot and Barry from uh, Colorado instead. So yeah. he, he revisited that and went out and got the guy that he wanted. And boy, oh boy, what, what a defenseman. Nothing flashy, just brilliant defensively, though. No, I was watching the, the women's, the tournament they did, the Dream, the Dream Cup. And um, what's her name? Jennifer Bottle was talking about Brody, saying the one thing I've noticed in my career, she goes, is 
if you don't notice a defenseman, they're probably doing their job. She goes, we always, she goes, as an analyst, our job is to, to critique them, give, give them some constructive criticism. And she goes, if you're not saying anything about a defenseman, good or bad, she goes, he's probably doing his job and that's the end of it. Like, and I think we can thank Mark Giordano for how good he is defensively. Like Calgary has always been a very defensive minded team. And, and I, I would take a Giordano at the end of his career as well, because clearly Calgary makes some defensive players that play above their heads, but who knows? We'll see. But I do like Brody a lot. I think he's my favorite defenseman right now other than Muzzin. I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think he's, uh, I think he's brilliant. I, I'm, I'm a little perplexed boys. Like when we're, we're talking about all this stuff, we're obviously projecting uh, quite a bit ahead here. I, I kind of shake my head a little bit, like other than these little fantasy Seth Jones trades and all this sort of stuff. I like, I like the group. And I think that's what pisses me off the most. I, you know, in past years, um, you know, say, let's go back to uh, not all the way back to 2013. That was the Fanuf and Kessel years, but uh, you know, the last, the last few years against Boston where we went to two game sevens and lost. To be honest with you, Boston was the better team. They were the better team. They were more complete. They were, they were the better team. Did we have a lot of talent and skill and high-end offense? Absolutely. Freddie Anderson was, was left out to dry on most nights, and he bailed our ass out. And that was the only reason we made it to Game 7s. And then everyone blames Freddie for losing Game 7s. Uh, you know, Fre- Freddie has his faults too, right? He's not a, he's not a perfect goalie. Very few are. Um, but uh, my point being is, you know, we could look back at, at some, of those, uh, some of those teams and say their defense was horrible. They were like Swiss cheese on the back end. Fast forward to this year, in current, I like our defensive makeup. I think the team has committed to playing defensive hockey. They've shown they're capable of playing defensive hockey. They li- they've limited Montreal's offense. Mind you, before game, uh, game five and game six, all of a sudden Montreal's offense has come to life with a little bit of puck luck too, mind you. But um, how much of that is on just the, the mental lapses on the Maple Leafs? They're capable of so much more. That's what really pisses me off. This team is built to compete. What the hell's going on? That's what really ticks me off. Danny, you're right. This uh, this decor is boring as shit to watch, but they're getting the job done, and that's all that that's all that fucking matters. It's true, plain and simple. Uh, and you know what? Like, no knock on Jack Campbell. I'm not. You guys know my thoughts on Jack Campbell. I don't think Jack Campbell's a starting goaltender, but he's playing unbelievable hockey for us. He's the only reason we even had a chance to come back last night. The guy's playing unbelievable hockey and he's competing his ass off for us in the crease. And he's a guy that you root for and cheer for. He seems like such a great guy. I'm not sold on him being a starting goaltender, but the boys need to play for Jack Campbell. Like get your asses back into gear and start competing, play in your end. And then Jack doesn't have to bail you out. You don't have to put all that on Jack Campbell. He's playing in his first playoff series. And you're putting that kind of heat on him and that kind of pressure. That's unfair. Start playing in their zone. Make Carey Price be the miracle worker that he tries to be. And, and he does a pretty decent job at it. But we have way more, we have way more to throw at them. I want to see bodies to the net in game seven. I want to see just pucks thrown towards the net. I want chaos in front of that Montreal, in front of that Montreal net. 
we, we will beat them if that is the case. If we play tentative hockey and we let them hit us and forecheck us into the ground in our zone and start cycling the puck like they have and they start throwing pucks towards the net, we're going to be in a whole lot of trouble. Because Jack Campbell is not Carey Price and it's not fair to even compare him to that goaltender. Yeah, I, I agree. And he's been keeping up with Price, which is, we all know, not easy to do. And I think... I, I don't agree or disagree with your point that he's not a starting goalie because he hasn't had a full season to prove it. Like if they throw him in 60 games next year and he has a 600, 700 winning percentage, well, I think he's pretty much proven it, but you're right. He needs a full NHL caliber season to prove himself. Like mind you, he is playing lights out. Who knows how long that's going to last. He could let in four squeakers tomorrow. We don't know. Like, and is Anton Hudobin? So no, sorry, sorry, Clayton. You go ahead. You finish. No, what were you going to say about Hudobin there? I was going to say, do you think Anton Hudobin is a uh, starting goaltender, or is he just a really good backup? Not this past year. Well, oh, hold on, but hold on a second, because really Anton Hudobin, Anton Hudobin has been a backup goaltender, a really quality backup goaltender pretty much his entire career. He started with the Bruins, and then I think he just went over to Dallas. And then they signed Ben Bishop. He is their starting goaltender. Bishop went down last year. He's been out for two years now, mind you. And Hudobin came in, and they went to the Stanley Cup final last year. Last year he played great. This oh, year he, he played like garbage. No, no, but that, that's the difference. Any goaltender can get hot and play and get hot for a certain amount of time, right, and kind of ride that wave. Starting goaltenders, there's, there's only 31 of them currently. There will be 32, but there's only 31 of them. And there's only 31 of them for a reason. It's very tough. And only 16 of those starting goaltenders make the playoffs. It's very, very difficult to be a starting goaltender. You have to be consistent on a night-to-night basis. It's even more difficult to be the starting goaltender for a Stanley Cup contending team because you're going to have to bail their ass out and you're going to have to go up against some stiff competition. I am not knocking Jack Campbell. I think Jack Campbell has done everything that he can to give this team an opportunity and a chance. I'm just not sold on him yet because I haven't seen longevity in the position from everything that he's shown. If he can do this over the next year and a half, Hey, like all the power to him. Then he's lived up to the hype when he was drafted 11th overall by the stars back in 2011 like all all the power to him and i and i hope i hope he does i think he's a fantastic story and a fantastic person i'm cheering for him to do it i'm just not sold yet that's another question mark if if it ends tomorrow night that's another huge question mark moving on from freddie anderson you're playing with a little bit of fire there are you going to gamble and say jack campbell's your starting goalie when he's only done it for what 25 games plus it'll be seven playoff games boys well, let's get let's get into that then like okay but like what's the solution he well that, that 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 that's a good one that's a good topic i think that's a really good one to get into i don't know if we'll have time in this podcast maybe we can throw that into the next one because we didn't we want to touch on uh, matthews and marner clayton or do we want to go into that the goaltending like situation to go into the goalies now for a bit i mean it's it hey. is a it's a big question mark now my one point about Freddie, love the guy again, I like my Leafs, but if, if you want to get realistic, like all 19 guys on the ice 
lose and win as a team. And we've lost three or four series with Freddie and Matt. Like, I'm not saying he's the reason, but he's on the team. He's part, he takes part of the responsibility. All 20 guys, even the backup technically does. You're, you're a unit, right? So that's tough. Now, I've heard rumors that Freddie's asking for a lot more money than he's making, which personally, I don't think he's worth more than five, five or six. Like, don't get me wrong. He could prove me wrong. He could go somewhere with a very easy market compared to Toronto and kill it. But I don't know. I, I think you give Jack a chance next year, no matter how far we go in the playoffs, personally. Me, me personally, what I would do is I, I would move on from Freddie. And you guys know I love Freddie Anderson. I think Freddie has bailed us out for years, and he's the only reason we made the playoffs over the last four years. Or, sorry, not the only. One of the biggest reasons we made the playoffs. People... People that don't watch this team on a night-to-night basis, I watch every goddamn Leaf game, every single game. You can ask my wife because there's times, you know, prior to COVID where she'd want to go out and we'd, you know, want to go out and hang with friends or something. Barring one of our good friends' birthdays, I'm not, I don't miss Leaf games. That I plan my schedule around Leaf games to watch Leaf hockey. Freddie Anderson bailed our ass out night in, night out, for almost four years for the better part of four years and people shit on him because he lost to Columbus and he allowed a weak goal against Columbus. Those games against the Bruins, he, he wasn't great. I'll, I'll give, I'll give you that. He wasn't great. He wasn't fantastic. The team in front of him was awful, like atrocious. They were horrible. Don't forget that it was Jake Gardner was on our second pair. Jake Gardner, Nikita Zaitsev, players like that were playing on that decor. Martin Marinson was in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Oh man. Like how bad do you have to be? But a- anyway, um, I, I would move on. I think you have to move on from Freddie only because his age um, and, and like you alluded to Clayton, the amount of money he's, he's going to want to, he's going to want to command it. It'll be likely his last, uh, his last big payday. I think he's 31 years old. I think he, he may even be coming up to 32 years old um, early on next season. I don't know exactly when his birthday is, um, and he's starting to break down a little bit. We, we saw that this year. He's starting to break down a little bit. He's starting to have his little injuries. He's probably going to want in the neighborhood of uh, six to seven million, and the Leafs um, cannot afford that with their cap. They've got to allocate that elsewhere, uh, i.e., Zach Hyman. Um, I would go with, um, I would definitely go with Jack Campbell, but I think you need to find somebody else. And I'm not a big 1A, 1B goalie guy. I firmly believe that there's a number one goalie and a, and a backup goalie, a capable backup. Um, I can throw some names out there that I like. I'm not saying they're available, um, but guys that I like that may be realistic options. I like uh, Jonas Corposalo from Columbus, and I like Darcy Kempfer from, uh, from uh, Arizona. Th- those are two that I think are realistic, and they would be reasonably cost-effective. Yeah, I can see that. Um, when I, so I'm just going to tell a little story first before I get to Kemper. So when I was growing up, I always liked the Coyotes logo. I thought it was like the coolest logo ever. And luckily through charities in the hospital, I met quite a few of the Leafs growing up. So I, I kind of been there, done that. I always wanted to see the Grand Canyon and sure enough, the Coyotes are in the same state. Gretzky was coaching at the time. So my make-a-wish was to go to Arizona and the Arizona Coyotes will always be dear to my heart, no matter what, 
like our very own Austin Matthews played for their booster club. Like, and they're a hell of an organization. I can, I can say that, but Kemper, I watch quite a few Arizona games still to this day. Darcy Kemper is quietly one of the best in the NHL. Like this year he had, or last year he had his injury problems. So we didn't see much of them, but they were only, I think six points behind St. Louis for the final playoff spot in that division. And that was mainly because of Darcy Kemper straight up. Like he is one of the best Corpus Allo would be another good one, but my argument to one a one B is Boston. They they've used to lack and rask the last two years and it's worked. In my opinion, there's a difference there. Okay. Who's who, who's their goalie in the playoffs? Rask. Yeah. And there's not even a question about it. If they if they had Halak in, they're not doing this. Tuka Rask is one of the better goaltenders in the league. Oh hell yeah! Well, you can't like Yaro Halak is, in my opinion, a borderline starting goalie for you know maybe the second half of NHL teams. And what I mean by second half is those that maybe don't make the playoffs. He is a borderline starting goaltender. Mm-hmm. The reason why I don't subscribe to a one A or one B, other other than uh, your anomalies. And, you know, some people will, will throw out, well, what about Vegas with uh, Flurry and Leonard? That is not a 1A, 1B. They are extremely fortunate to have two starting goaltenders. Or what about when Flurry and Murray were in Pittsburgh and they won back-to-back cups? That is an anomaly because they are both starting goaltenders. Marc-Andre Flurry is one of the best in the business. He is an well, awesome goalie. Yeah, and Flurry got hurt and Murray had to play the rest of the season and then I think the back-to-back, though, wasn't he on Vegas once they won the Cup the second time? Oh, no, he wouldn't no. have been. Vegas nope. was in the Cup final the year after. That's right. So the- so what what happened was um, uh, Flurry started that second playoff run because Murray was injured. And Flurry went all the way, I want to say, until the conference finals. And then they lo- he lost one game. Murray came back and was healthy. Now, Murray, mind you, just came off of a Stanley Cup victory the year before, and he was exceptional. I think it was his rookie or sophomore season when he won the Stanley Cup, and he was exceptional in it. He came back when Flurry had one bad game. They put Murray in the next night. Flurry didn't see the net again. It was all Murray all the way, the rest of the way. And that was it. They won back-to-back Stanley Cups an anomaly. <laughs> and then they traded, they ended up trading both of them eventually. But um, uh, yeah, my point is one A and one B's don't often work. You look at the teams that win the Stanley cup, they have a horse in net. Yeah. You can get your one-offs where um, you know, your anti Niemis or something like that or a net, but they're, you'd have to have a defensive core. I'm talking about the Chicago Blackhawks. I think that was on their first Stanley cup when they yeah. had anti anti Niemi in net and you could, you know, he's a borderline starting goaltender at that time, obviously did a good enough job. He won the Stanley cup. Um, but they also had Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith and uh, Nick Jalmerson and a, and a bunch of other really high end defensemen on that team. And they were loaded up front that, that first Blackhawks team uh, like Dave Boland, Andrew Shaw, Dustin Bufflin, you, you name it. They were on that team. They had to give up a bunch of them uh, as RFAs because they couldn't afford them the following season they were stacked but my point being is i i believe you need to have a number one guy and um it's tough it's tough to find one kyle dubas has his uh i think he has some names in mind 
I don't, I think Kyle's a very smart general manager. People can knock him all they want. I think he's a very, very smart general manager. And I think he thinks like two steps ahead. Brad, what do you think about the goalie situation? What, what, what do you think? Do you have any names or anything? You know, I, I'm just, uh, I, I'm worried about this cap situation um, with Danny. I, I agree with him about, uh, I, I, I do like Freddie. I, I know that uh, Danny and I have sat down and I've, shit on him constantly about uh, Freddie Anderson. Um, I really like Freddie Anderson. I can't discredit anything that he's done for us since he's been in Toronto. Um, I'm just wondering, like, I'm, I'm looking at this Marley's roster and I'm wondering if there's a guy there that might, might, might be a serviceable backup so you can throw your eggs in one basket and get a, a good starting goaltender. Doesn't look like it right now, at least as far as I'm concerned. Wall Wall's probably never going to turn out. Like again, all these guys. It's funny that they're all great in the AHL, but then you bring them up and they're just ugh. like Lilligren. Lilligren's a number one AHL defenseman, but like we said, maybe a seventh, maybe a sixth if he pans out in the NHL. But that's it. You you know what tells me, Brent? You know what uh, was a signal to me, and I think it happened. I think it was last week. Remember the Leafs announced. Uh, midweek that they'd signed a guy, I think it was from the Swedish hockey league goaltender. Yeah. yeah. So if you're, if you're convinced, I mean, and I'm talking as the Maple Leafs, if you think Joseph wall is, uh, is the next like leaf backup or potential starter down the road, why are you going out and signing that Swedish hockey league goaltender? Because obviously he's going to, he's going to want some time, right? He's coming over here for a reason. He wants a crack at the NHL. So if, you know, he's not going to crack the NHL roster, then he's definitely going to be starting games in the minors. Plus, they got Ian Scott. Don't forget about Ian Scott. Ian Scott was right up there with Joseph Wall, considered to be a top Leaf goalie prospects. But Ian Scott has had some bad injuries over the last couple of years, and he hasn't played. Right. Um, so I, have, I really don't have much faith in that. I, I think goaltending is a bit of a crapshoot when you draft them. Um, you almost have to go out and acquire goaltending or get lucky. Uh, it, it's very difficult unless you're drafting somebody in the first round. And sometimes that doesn't pan out. Jack, Jack Campbell was drafted 11th overall. He's 29 years old. This is the first season that he started. I think this is the most games he's ever played in any season in the NHL. Yeah. And I think he played 25 games. Uh, he's only had two. I saw this stat. Uh, a little while ago because you know when I get into arguments with people about Freddie and Jack and we'd have our little back and forth there is a stat thrown out there about Jack Campbell how many how many years prior has he started double digit games in the NHL sorry not even started it was appeared in the answer was two he was drafted in 2011 he he played uh, double digit he had double digit appearances not starts for the LA Kings in back-to-back years and I think it was like 10 and 12 starts. And then this year he had 25 and he's played very well to his credit. I just don't understand how at 29, all of a sudden you can become a starting goaltender overnight when you've only played 25 games in one season. That's why I, I try and caution people. And again, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very true, but there, there are guys that pan out at 29, 30. Look at Mika Kiprasov in Calgary. I was just a shot in the dark. Let's trade for a goalie. And he became a Vesna candidate every year and an all-star every year with Calgary. So 
I do agree in general, though, you are right. Like, the odds someone's just going to turn into a starting goalie, well, it can happen, yes. But is it rare? Also, yes. It's it's just – it's almost impossible, especially in the NHL of all leagues. Exactly. Like, like that lead, lead leagues in the KHL. I forget what the defenseman was we traded this year. Top defenseman in the KHL last year comes to the NHL, and he's garbage at the NHL level. I'm not saying he can't play, but at the role he was supposed to play for the Leafs. I, do you remember his name, the dude that we brought in? Miko Lettinen. There you go, Miko Lettinen. He was yeah. unreal in the KHL, and he just never panned out here. So we'll see, but I, I'm with you. I hope I hope this conversation is all for naught, but we'll see. We got, we'll know in about 24 and a half hours if uh, – if it's all for naught or not, is there a, well, the last thing we can touch on for a few minutes here, I've got about 10 minutes left on my schedule here, but the last thing we wanted to talk about was Marner and Matthews. And I'm not going to go, I'm not going to say they're, they've been invisible because they haven't, but they have not produced up to their contract value. Now I personally think Matthews is trying, he's leading the team in hits his ice time has been way up there. He's gotten like six, seven shots a night. It's just not going in the net, but it's not good enough. Trying is not good enough. Producing is. So, Daniel, I'll start with you. What do you think the problem is with those two? It's tough because, again, they're not not trying. Like, Matthews, you touched on it earlier. Matthews leads the, uh, the Leafs, at least their forwards and hits. I don't know if it's the team. I haven't seen the stat. If it's the team... Um, it kind of surprised me a little bit. I thought Muzzin and them would be a little bit more physical on the back end, but um, Matt Matthews has been good in that regard, but I think they need to get to the dirty areas a little bit more. Um, and that, that gets back to my point about pucks to the net. I think those skilled players um, and because they're young and they're, they're still, you know, in their defense, they're still kind of trying to figure it out a little bit. You would hope that they would have figured it out by now, but in the playoffs, you're not going to get those, or you're not going to get many anyway. Um, those little sauce passes across the slot, one-time top shelf goals that you'd get during the regular season when you have defensive breakdowns. This is the best teams in the league competing for uh, the hardest trophy to win in pro sports, in my opinion. You're, the defense is top-notch you're going to have to get some dirty goals. Matthew's only goal that he has scored in this series was off him going to the net. Justin Hall took a shot, beautiful rebound. Maddie, Maddie put it in the net and he looked back at Hall and pointed. He has not scored any goals with those beautiful bar downs. It's not going to happen. And the power play, it's tough. Um, in my opinion, we don't have the shot options available on the power to play to make it, uh, to make it that dangerous. They're going to have to get creative on the power play. I think they're doing a decent job at that. Um, Marner, um, it's difficult. Mitch is a, Mitch is a small guy, right? Um, I, I guess I'd like to see him get a little bit more greasy, a little bit more physical. He is a smaller guy um, that might be asking a little, um, but You've got to get dirty. I look at a guy like Brad Marchant, and I, I hate Brad Marchant, okay? Uh, but as a player, my God, that guy is a hockey player, man. Like, he gets the job done on a night-to-night basis in Boston. He goes to the dirty areas. He's not a very big guy, 
but he puts his body on the line and he goes to the dirty areas because he knows in order to win, in order to score in the playoffs, you must go to the dirty areas, which is right in front of the net. Rebounds, tip pucks. That's how you score in the playoffs. So Mitchie with his little dangles and fancy, fancy slot passes, he has to learn that that's not going to happen come playoff time. Um, other than that, I think Mitch on the PK is fantastic. Other than his little gaffe where he flipped the puck over the, uh, over the glass the other night. Um, that was stupid. Um, he knew that though. Um, you know, kind of a one-off with Mitch there. He is an elite penalty killer, elite playmaker. They need to go, they need to go harder to the net. I think that's my, my synopsis on those two. Brad, what do you think? What, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on this? this can, I remind, can I remind everybody that these guys don't get played a cent. They don't get paid a cent in the playoffs. So I understand that we're paying them an awful lot of money to play in the regular season. They're pay, they're playing exactly how much they're getting paid right now. It's a, it's an awful synopsis. It's terrible, but it, it's absolutely true. Danny just said Brad Marchand. I would like a guy like Brendan Gallagher. He, he's not Brad Marchand. I get that. But Brendan Gallagher plays very similar. I, I just, if we had a guy like that, because uh, we're not going to aff- be able to afford someone like Brad Marchand. Uh, you, you'd, be, you'd be surprised. Brent, Brendan Gallagher? Uh, take, take a look how many points Brendan Gallagher has in this series. Brendan Gallagher, like I understand what you're saying, Brent, like you'd want, it's hard to find those guys. I think there's very far and few between that. Um, like I could like Matthew Kachuk, Brady Kachuk. Right. Those, those, those guys are very far and few in between in the league these days, right? Maybe even a Tom Wilson. Uh, Brendan Gallagher gets paid, I think, $6.5 million per season. Check, check out his stats in the playoffs. I, I don't think Montreal's too happy with his stats. I certainly wouldn't trade a Mitch Marner for <laughs> Brendan Gallagher. No, no, I would, no, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade. Brent, I wouldn't trade uh, th- uh, one Mitch Marner for three Brendan Gallagher's. To be quite I, honest I, with you, <laughs> I, I, I said at the beginning, uh, I don't want to trade Mitch Marner for anything. Like, yeah, no, you, I, you would. You would have to throw uh, gold, silver, and bronze at me to trade Mitch Marner. I don't want him gone for anything. But uh, I just think a guy like Gallagher who knows how to get it done when he gets it done. Well, and I guess to my point there, Brennan Gallagher hasn't done anything in this series so no, far, and, and, I, and I hope it stays that bloody way. No, but <laughs> I think that's talking about more the effort and the drive, like the well, don't, right? Okay, but don't don't we have Zach Hyman, who is like Brennan Gallagher, and don't we have Nick Felino, and don't we have Wayne Simmons, and don't we have Ilya Mikheyev? Don't we have all those guys that are, are similar to uh, Brennan Gallagher in that regard? It's about the skilled guys, our top skilled players, getting to the dirty areas. It, it, that, that's all it's about, right? You can have you can have a bunch of like M- Montreal. You know, to their credit, they they play hard. I give them a lot of credit. They they play hard. They play feisty because that's the way that they have to succeed. They don't have the talent the Maple Leafs do. They don't have the game breakers that the Maple Leafs do. Our game breakers just have to show up. They have to play playoff hockey. I think, I think they're still trying to figure out in a weird way. I feel, I still, when I see Mitch, I still see Mitch trying to dangle on the periphery a little bit and wait for that fancy slot pass where he can sauce it over to Maddie through three sticks. It's not going to happen. It, it just won't. It, there'd have to be a defensive breakdown, a two on one 
for that to happen. And then you still got to beat number 31 there in net. Good luck. You've got to get dirty. They've got the talent to do it. They've just got to go to the dirty areas. That's playoff hockey. Your skilled players need to figure that out. Did these guys... These guys have been frustrating to watch. I, I'm not, uh, we've been saying that for an hour. Um, every time I watch them play, I, I'm yelling at the TV for them to shoot. And it reminds me of sitting in the Air Canada Centre, now Scotiabank Arena, watching Cabriolet play and telling him to shoot. Uh, <laughs> honestly, like just screaming at the top of my lungs, shoot, shoot, shoot. If you shoot the puck, it's guaranteed. We saw it the other night, like we've been saying, we saw it two nights ago, three nights ago. If you shoot the puck, the chance of it going in, I mean, it's 50 50. A lot but better than not shooting it. Absolutely. Stop holding on to the damn thing. Yeah, I, I think that's when the Leafs start to get away from their game. I, I think I think you're right. You hit hit the nail on the head there. Uh, they were dominant in game three and game four against Montreal because uh, they use their speed. They use their skill. When they get cycling the puck in that Montreal D zone, uh, they're dangerous. You have to throw pucks at the net and you have to have traffic to the net. Plain and simple. That's the recipe to win tomorrow night, along with effort <laughs> and work ethic. Show up on time this time. Don't fucking take the the first and second period off. If they do, Leafs Nation is going to blow a gasket because I think a lot of us have had enough. And it's not, you know, we're giving up or anything like that. That's not going to happen. It's not. It's not in us. We we love this team more than, uh, you know, just being a fan of it. it it's a deep rooted passion in us, and um, it, it's not going to change that. But uh, boy, it'll further complicate things if they can't get it done tomorrow night. I, I hope we're having a different conversation the next time we meet boys. I hope it's not a negative one. Yeah, I think, I think too, no matter what happens, the last thing I'll say about Mitch is he needs to put some muscle on, like he needs to put some muscle on and learn, like go into the corners, dude. Like he, he has the grit with his skating. He just doesn't throw his body enough. And I think, like you say, I hope it's positive too. All the best. And well, I think we'll wrap up there. Thank you for listening to the Holy Mackinac podcast. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. And if you did, please share it around. We'd appreciate it. And uh, thanks again, Danny. And thanks again, Brett. I appreciate it. And I'll uh, catch you guys next time. Thanks, boys. Thanks, man.